we had this whole vision me included where i thought i knew better and all of a sudden we're like where is that ideal life of those imaginary kids well it's not really anyone else around us that is putting that pressure it's ourselves Hey ladies, welcome back to another episode of B3 Boss Babies and Thoughts. While I talk about all things motherhood, entrepreneurial, and how to have fun with everything in between. I'm your host, Jessica with a Y, and I cannot wait to dive into today's topic. So make sure to grab your favorite cocktail, sit back, relax, and unwind. Let's have some fun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Boss Babies and Bottles. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Ms. Malva Plasaus. Malva is actually an international business trainer, guys. She's an executive coach and speaker for corporate and soft AR, uh, HR skills. And she just really helps people achieve success in top international corporations. She's created the Online Training Academy, an innovative form of training for future online trainers, and just besides her corporate focus, she also has a parenting, she's also a parenting coach and couples counselor who works with couples and parents to just help them implement positive parenting approach and build closeness within the family, which is one of the biggest things we're going to talk about today. And she's also an amazing international bestselling author. She's a frequent podcast guest and frequent contributor to summits, panels, and online training sessions. So I'm super excited to have Malva join us today. Everyone, and thank you for listening. Yeah, they uh, my boss babies and bottles ladies. They're absolutely amazing. Thank them for listening. And I know they're truly going to enjoy this one because we really are going to chat about just, you know, how to have better positive communication with your children and how to just really integrate that in a family. And of course, most of my listeners are also either career or business women or even have a side hustle. And so just kind of bringing that all together. So I guess right. just let's start off by telling us a little bit about you, Mother. Well, I'm a mom of three. So if anything, you, you, I, that's all I need to say, <laughs> apart from your bio that you read. I'm a mom of three. I have studied psychology, child development, sociology, pedagogy, and project management. And, you know, all these things were not enough. I still feel that I could still be learning about what it's like to communicate, what it's like to um, run a family, what it's like to run a business. And yet I still feel that the more I learn the, the, the new things I discover, and it's not because I'm not a good learner, but it's because science goes leaps and bounds almost every year. But we have as people, I believe, kind of this bias that once I learn something, I'm good. Yeah. But then, ooh, a new iPhone is out. Let me get it. Or ooh, a new watch is out. Let me get it. So we're very gadgety when it comes to technology, but we sometimes forget that as fast as technology goes forward and new things come come about, the same thing happens with psychology and sociology and different research. And so whenever parents or people who are uh, not very big advocates of the positive parenting approach that I am of. They're like, well, my parents hit me. I turned out okay. Well, you didn't use a phone, a smartphone when you were young. Does that mean you don't use one now? So yes, there are things in my opinion that need to change. And especially the mindset of if technology is going forward and we're uh, learning a lot more and, and, you know, helping ourselves, then we can do the same thing and have the same approach to communication and uh, raising our children. Mm -hmm. I definitely, I definitely agree. And I love 
everything you talk about here because it's true. We are in a different world. And so learning how to deal with our children in this world is uh, very important. So mother of three, uh, so you must be extremely busy. That's that's the big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm busy with two, I can't even imagine what it would be like with three. Just um, add one and a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I can't even imagine. I know people tell me that all the time. They're like, I don't know how you do it with two twins. And I'm like, well, it's double of everything you do with one baby. That's really what it is, you know, uh, yeah. which is crazy. So, but I mean, one of the biggest things I saw when I was um, reading a little bit up on you was I loved the idea of, of understanding the difference between talking to your child and not at them. Um, yes. And so that was really one of my first questions to you. What's that difference? Okay. So when you talk at someone, this is let's imagine a teacher in a classroom setting she's talking at the students telling them what the assignment is mm -hmm. so that's talking at someone so which means it's not really communication in the sense of a two-way street which communication should be this is just a monologue with an audience it's almost as if like you're watching a youtube video someone is talking at you and not necessarily to you and we as parents have that tendency with young kids and it's only because we were talking at them when they were babies oh you look at your cute little toes i want to eat them and they would just kind of goo goo gaga at you which was their form of communication but we didn't comprehend that as much as uh, we could if we talked the same language and then those children were learning how to speak and then all of a sudden we have like a two three-year-old who's like whoa terrible twos horrible fours because they're talking back like what happened to my quote unquote YouTube video where I was able to broadcast everything and it was not questioned. And then all of a sudden we realized that, okay, I as a parent need to stop and I need to think about what's the difference between talking at and talking to. So talking to means number one, I need to make sure that I got you their attention, mm -hmm. right? So let's start with that. Is the channel of communication open? Are they able and willing to listen to me? And when they're watching a story or when they're playing in their own imaginative land of Lego blocks and dolls or, or cars and mud baths and whatever they're playing with, and then you're just shouting orders at them, you're comparable to a buzzing bee. It's like, and nothing else. You don't understand it. It's a noise somewhere out there. And very often parents say, well, you're not listening to me. I, I already told you a million times. No, you didn't tell me. You broadcasted it, but you didn't make sure that that it got to me. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is make sure that, you know, the channel of communication is open, make sure that your children are listening to you and then make sure that when you say something, whatever that may be, they have a chance to respond either by okay, mommy, or why, or can we do it differently? I want something else. And that is one of the toughest things for nowadays parents, because in the past, and I was brought up like this, and there was nothing wrong with that. Again, I'm not here to diss any past generation and my parents included, absolutely not. But it was, I tell you, you do. And now very often we're like, oh, okay, but that created resentment. That created this frustration of why aren't you listening to me? And then I'll just smack you over the head and maybe you'll listen. No, the only reason why there's resentment and lack of follow through is because they either didn't hear you or they don't agree, but they're passive aggressive. They're like, hmm, I might as well just pretend I'm not listening as opposed to opening the communication and having the possibility to, to speak. I can speak as a child and I can speak as a mom and we can speak together to set 
whatever that may be, a rule, a boundary to set what the plan is and to make sure that everyone is on the same page to have less stress, less yelling and enjoy parenting a little bit more. I definitely agree. How do you open up that, that, that communication? Because I think that's probably, I guess one of the things even thinking about it now, I'm like, okay, so how do you do that? I mean, I guess I could sit them down and make sure they're looking at me and they're paying attention to me. But is there any other way? Because, you know, there are some kids where, I mean, you could do that and they're still not listening. Um, Yeah, because you're missing a step. Mm -hmm. So, you know, grabbing a child and say, sit down on the table and look at me. So we're on eye level. is just going to create fighting because Mm -hmm. they're in their world at the time. And can you imagine, you know, taking an 18 year old and now sit down at the table and look at me like that? That won't last. This is not a tactic that will last. So I Mm -hmm. don't advise it. So when I say make sure that the level of communication is open. That means invest some time. By invest some time, again, this is a big, broad sentence because we're talking to a broad audience and it doesn't really matter if you have a one-year-old, if you have a two-year-old, if you have a six-year-old, if you have a 15-year-old or a 21-year-old. When I say invest some time, make sure that you go there and ask to be invited into their world. And what does that mean? If you're talking to a two-year-old who's playing bubbles, why don't you come in, you know, squat down and say, oh my goodness, bubbles, can I blow some too? Invite yourself into their world. So blow some bubbles with them. If they're playing with mud, you're like, oh my goodness, what did you do here? Let's see, what did you build? And again, allow them to speak to you while they invite you into their world of imaginary play. If it's your teenage son and he or uh, he is playing um, a video game, how about you just say, are you winning or did you lose? Or or what's the, what's the deal? Where are we at? And they're like, yeah, mom, just a second. This is a, a big battle. And I'm going to tell you in a second. He's, you know, zoomed in. He's like, mom, I won. You know, you just wait it out. And then when you wait it out and they kind of tell you what is happening, mm-hmm. you can then say when they're finished, okay, honey, I need to talk to you. Can, can, do you give, do you have a minute? And that is when he or she will have a minute for you or sweetheart, can I ask you something? Can we put the bubbles down first and mommy prepared a super snack? And after the snack, we'll come back to the bubbles. So after you've invited yourself in, they give you whatever they want, their excitement, their frustration, because sometimes it's not a win situation. They yeah. just lost the battle. Yeah. And then you say, I have something that we can do. We can talk about. I now want to give you something, some communicate. How about you come into my world? Mm -hmm. So when I say invest some time, make sure that you go to them and allow them to invite you into their world of whatever they were doing, ask some questions, be interested, and then say, well, you know what? This is what we're going to do. And this seems like a lot of work. It may be if this is what something that your child is not accustomed to but the more you do it the easier it is and it's not something that you need to do every single time because there are situations where for example it is an emergency someone just called me i need to get out of the house asap and that is where you pull out the big guns and say all right children chop chop i need your attention now and they know that this whatever your phrase is in the family, this is an alarm system and you don't question an alarm system. Like, okay, guys, we need to go, you know, whatever daddy's car broke down or mommy forgot that I have a meeting and we need to go really, really quickly. Now, whatever the case may be, they know that you will not abuse this alarm system. And on your way there, you will explain everything to them. But 
when you're generally in need of talking with them and to them instead of at them, this is exactly what we're doing. We're inviting ourselves in, then proposing and then negotiating and showing them what it is. By negotiation, I, I say, how about we wash our hands now and then go eat and then we'll come back, okay? Well, mommy, just let me finish. All right, you finish, I'll wait for you. You're done? Yeah, okay, let's go. So again, not an order, but rather a proposal. That makes, I mean, so much sense for sure. And so, I mean, obviously this is how we can communicate in so, so a certain extent better with our children because at the end of the day, our relationship with them is what's going to help us throughout their life. Like, I think my biggest thing is I always want my children to come to me. And the only way that they'll do that is if they feel comfortable coming to me. Um, and by me, obviously, and I always say this, I'm like, if we talk to them and we're constantly talking to them, then they're never going to really want, and that's, that used to happen with me and my parents. I don't necessarily always go to my parents to talk to them. And I always wondered why. And I thought about it and I'm like, it's because they never really opened up that, that thing of communication. We never really had that kind of communication. So now obviously at this day and age, do I love my parents? Yes. Do I respect my parents? Yes. But I don't have that. Um, open communication that I see even my husband have with his parents. Um, and that's really just a key thing because it translates into their whole life. Um, so I really, really love that. So um, for sure, that's, that's huge. So how can we get them to reciprocate that positive communication then with us? Well, it depends on who you're talking about like if we have a teenager if we have a, a child that is just learning to speak he or she is one year old or if we have someone in between everything depends and and i know this is not the the answer that you want but but it's a tr it's the mm -hmm. truth so if you have a, a toddler that is still learning and then he says mama water then you can't expect that child to use positive correct language mommy would you be so kind to pass me a glass of water like mm -hmm. don't expect that mm -hmm. but mama water if this is at the level they're at praise them for putting yeah. two words together if they're growing up or developing and then they're at the level where they're okay to um to connect three words then expect from them mama water please okay when we say please then it's much better for us to get what we want but that also means that you have to mirror that so it's not get in the car but honey, can you please get in the car? So make sure that you treat them with the same respect that you would expect them or you would want them to, to show you. And again, if you're, a, if you're talking to, to a teenager or a preteen and you know, their hormones are rushing and they're sometimes angry at things that yep. you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. They might lash out or storm out or have a hissy fit or you know roll their eyes and kind of slam the door. But this might be just our interpretation of the situation. So for example, my son, who's a preteen, he said, oh, okay, fine. And he left. And I was like, okay, I'll give him a moment. And then he came back a few minutes and I'm like, sweetheart, the way you behaved a few minutes ago where you said, oh, okay, you sighed and you left. I interpret that as I'm rolling my eyes. I'm not happy with what you just told me. I'll do it fine. Cause you're a mom. Now, how would you 
describe what happened because I don't want to assume that this is what you were meaning to say. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to. I just was already in the planning mode of, oh, okay, fine. This is what I need to do. So again, sometimes we as parents misinterpret our teenagers' uh, behavior, body language, and their way of thinking because we assume when they're teenager it's natural for them to slam the doors and it's natural for them to sigh and yes it may be but the it's not it's not that caliber of anger that we we say okay we saw it in the film so this is what it must mean mm. we have a tendency to to look at what the big media is trying to tell us so if for example you're walking and a man a stranger touches your hand very softly you're like whoa, he's hitting on me, like, what's wrong? But that person kind of was maybe dancing and didn't even pay attention to you and just touched your hand by accident. But yet in your head, you're already spinning. And again, one of the things that I wanted to kind of um, emphasize here is that sometimes we expect teenagers to, teenagers to behave a certain way. And th so we're assuming that this is exactly what they're doing, but mm. allowing them to understand how their behavior is interpreted by you and then they, you give them the right to explain themselves that no, that's not what I meant. Or yeah, yeah you know, I did that, but I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of hurting you or, oh, I'm sorry, mom. I didn't know I hurt you or, oh, okay, I'm sorry, mom. I didn't know this is how it was interpreted. And very often we forget that if you are a teenager or a parent of a teenager, mm -hmm. you're, you're very often influenced by what, by what is outside. And what I mean by that is, Teenagers take the words and phrases that they learn from their friends mm -hmm. and they try to transfer that into the home. And very often there's a difference in the way we speak to a friend, especially teenage to teenager. And there's a difference between the way a teenager ought to speak to an adult or ought to speak to, to, to a, a parent. And we mm -hmm. have to tell them, all right, it's okay for you to say, hey, dude, get your behind over here. It's okay for you to say that to your friend. But when you're speaking to grandma or grandpa, that's not the best phrase. So mm -hmm. how about we say, grandma and grandpa, is it okay if you come here, mm -hmm. right? Or is would you like me to go there? What Explaining yeah. to them the social setting is going to be much better for them in the long run instead of kind of uh, blasting them and slamming them for being rude. They didn't know. They were just copying what they learned outside of the home into the home. Of course, yeah. I think this really helps create more self-aware hopefully eventually adults and help build their emotional intelligence. Because I think that that's in, in a lot of cases, as I deal with different adults, I realize that they're just really not self-aware or emotionally intelligent enough to handle certain situations. And because I deal with so many different types of people, I see this all the time and I'm like, wow, they're just really not self-aware uh, of what they're doing. And so I think this will help kids grow up into obviously be better um, adults. So I really, I really, really enjoy that. So give us some tips, all right? As I mentioned, our Boss Baby and Bottles, most of our ladies are female entrepreneurs and they're just kind of looking, how do we lessen the stress? Because obviously we all have kids, we're all married, we have our career, our businesses. So give us some tips on how we can do that. Well, very often we stress is because we have an agenda. 
we have an agenda in our own head as to what should be done. And if we are entrepreneurs or businesswomen and women in the corporate setting, and we were kind of used to, this is my to-do list, I'm in control of doing it, this is exactly how it's going to be done. And even if we are in a managerial position or a leadership position, then delegating, it was, I'm delegating it to you, you should know how to do it. And being used to that, we sometimes forget that our children are not our subordinates. Yeah. Delegating a task to them doesn't mean it's done. Yeah. Or our husbands is what I say. Or husbands. (laughs) That's a different story. (laughs) I know, but we have a list. (laughs) This is is what we're supposed to do. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. So very often I try to say, okay, you have to get out of your head of the schedule pusher to-do list, you know, controller, because it's not going to happen with kids. So um, if you are a stay-at-home mom now that used to be in the corporate world or an entrepreneur, then try to see what kind of things are you willing to give up on. And that sometimes means I'm willing to give, give up on having an orderly bathroom. I'm I'm willing to give up on, let's say, having everything color coordinated. I'm willing to give up on a million and two things as my to-do list. So yeah. I'm a very up and go type of girl. And I remember that when I had two under two at the very beginning, now they're older, but when they were young, so around like you, when you're talking about twins, this is exactly what I was feeling, but but one was able to run and the other one was not able to crawl just yet. And you're like, ah, both in different yeah, yeah. directions. Mm-hmm. So what I was, what I had to do and very often this is something that I advise women also to do is to manage your expectations in the sense of your children. This is when they need you most Uh and schedule one errand, one important errand a day. Uh Okay. And the reason why I say schedule one important errand a day is because this is something that you can do in the morning between wake up and nap time. Okay. This is something that you can do in the morning. And that is, you know, outside the rush hour. And then we have nap time. And then when nap time finishes, this is where evening becomes very stressful for you because you're tired, for you because you need to put dinner at the table, for you because husband is coming home. And sometimes husband coming home or wife coming home, uh, whatever your family dynamic is, then quite often that becomes a stressful situation in itself Mm -hmm. for many reasons. And again, it's a mindset, but he or she was there resting while I was working here. Mm -hmm. He or she doesn't understand and so comes home and doesn't help me where they come home and want to rest as well. The moment your husband or wife come, come in, especially in the early years, they're a trigger. So planning something extra like an errand in the afternoon in the evening time is just going to add fire to or add fuel to the fire so when i say don't plan anything extra then that's exactly what i mean when i say when you are running an empty expecting yourself to go that extra mile or two is just going to put additional stress and tension in your relationship with your husband or wife, with yourself, because then you're like, well, I give up, I can't do anything. And with your children, because it's frustrating that because of them, you can't do something. But it's not their fault they're there. It's your fault, if anything, you chose to have them. So make sure that you choose to spend time with them then. And that little window that you have between morning and afternoon, that is exactly the precious time, the golden hour to run errands. And the afternoon is the golden hour to cuddle and not to run errands. 
for sure. I think that's one of the things that we've adopted in our home. Both me and my husband work from home. So it's yes. very different, but he'll lock himself in his office versus myself. I'm in and out all day. He'll come out, he'll use the bathroom, he'll spend five minutes and then he'll go back. And he's like, yeah, of course I spent time with the kids today. I'm like, no, I spent time with the kids. I was the one in and out and making things happen. Um, you just came out for playtime and went back in. <laughs> so it's yeah. very different. And yeah, it's a trigger either way, whether they're coming in or they're whatever. I'm just like, I do more. And he's like, well, no, I'm here too. And I'm like, uh, no, very different. But yes, I think, you know, limiting the amount of things that I do has really helped me because I spend more time. I'm like, well, this is my time to spend with them. And then once they go to bed, I'm back at it again, you know, and that's just, that's just the, the, what I've adopted, but that's been of trial and error. And I think we all have to go through that because the kids' schedules changes, our schedules change. And so just constantly being flexible uh, with ourselves too. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast, just allowing ourselves to not do and be a hundred percent all the time is I think also something really important because as mothers, I think we just expect so much of ourselves. Um, and it's between, you know, the pressure that we get from around us, from society, from ourselves, so many things. And so we just push ourselves, I think sometimes to those levels where then we snap. And the pressure sometimes doesn't really have to come from the outside, but it comes from the inside as well. I should have, I should do this. When I didn't have kids, I planned it to be that way or, or another one. There's someone that said, I don't remember who, so please forgive me for not quoting, but they said, you know what? My kids were ideally behaved, perfectly dressed, and I was the best mother of my imaginary kids. Yep. Okay? And so exactly, this is the whole point. We had this whole vision. And if you have never had this maternal instinct of having a vision with children and you did not play with dolls and stuffed animals as your babies, that's fine. That doesn't make you less of a mother. Absolutely not. But some of us had this vision, me included, where I thought I knew better, but then lack of sleep, uh, sometimes lack of water, lack of food, lack of a long time in the bathroom to go pee, you know, these things add up. And all of a sudden we're like, where is that ideal life of those imaginary kids? Well, it's not really anyone else around us that is putting that pressure. It's ourselves. So I sometimes say, look at the trigger. And, and I'm a coach, a family coach as well, where I work with families and say, okay, let's figure out what are your triggers throughout the day, which are external? What are your triggers throughout the day that are internal? And what are your time triggers? Because like I said, the afternoon, there's that moment when husband or wife come back from, from work, that can be a time trigger. So to be honest, sometimes women even get worked up right before 5.30, before husband oh, or wife comes home, like, oh, he's going to come home and this is what's going to happen. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, okay, chill, girl. Like you have to slow down. When you acknowledge these triggers and you know what to do with them, life as a mom, a working mom is so much better because mm -hmm. you know exactly what to expect from yourself, from your mm -hmm. husband, from your wife, from your partner, from your children. And it's just easy sailing until the next change. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to switch topics here because this is something that I thought was really great that you've covered before. It was sharing with us how, you know, biology and the socialization play into our understanding of sex and how we can best explain it to our children. Because I think the more open we are with our children, and I believe the more that they know, the better it is for them versus I know a lot about myself and of a lot of the people that I grew up around. That wasn't a conversation we had with our parents at all. And so this topic was something I thought was super interesting for us to discuss a little bit here at the end. 
Well, I have many webinars and, um, and, and workshops on that. So I'll just try to summarize it in two different things. Yeah, Number we're one, just, we're going to connect all of her links guys to this podcast. So you will be able to check out more. We're just going to kind of slowly dive into it, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So the first one is how do I know myself? How do I know why it's important for myself to talk about sex and for myself to understand myself and my body and how that works? That is just one of the topics. The second one is, can my partner, again, whoever he or she is, or they are, can my partner understand what that means? And then how do those two worlds connect? Where is that point of discovery for us? Mm -hmm. And this is something that is very important because if you feel that I don't need to talk about sex, I'm just having it, then you shouldn't have it. Okay. If, if, if you can't talk about it, then most definitely you shouldn't do it. So this is where I'm at with, um, with conversations about consensual uh, relationships with, with adults. So again, I really strongly advise everyone to communicate on that as well. Now, when it comes to the children, when, when, when parents come to me and say, when should I start talking to children about sex? And I'll say, what do you mean? Yeah. What is sex? Yeah. Like, what do you as a, as a parent understand what is sex? And they're like, well, they don't know. They themselves, the parents themselves don't know what is sex. And then they, they, they put all this pressure on this one golden conversation that they're supposed to have. Yeah. And again, for me, it, sex is everything from gender, from yeah. love, from physical contact, all the way to hygiene. Okay? So allowing your children to know the exact names of their body parts for them to be able to wash them is something that is the beginning of your conversation about sex. So when I say, you know, wash your toes, wash your knees, wash your bum, wash your penis, wash your vagina, wash your belly, wash your shoulders, wash your neck, wash your hair, this should all go in one breath. There should not be om omission of certain parts because, ooh, they're dirty. Why? What's the difference between a nose and a knee mm -hmm. and a penis? There's no difference. It's part of your body. And again, in the past, there used to be this shame, oh, you can't be naked in, you know, you can't see a child naked. I'm not talking about extremes where it's, um, it's a criminal fence. Absolutely not. I'm talking about there shouldn't be a problem where there's body shaming, like, oh my God, you're naked, hide your bum, hide your bum. No, he or she is in the bathroom, he or she is, you know, taking a shower, let it be. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you realize that children will ask questions, mommy, where did I come from? Yep. And then, well, you came from mommy's belly, but how did I get there? Uh, the stork brought you. No, well, you got there because mommy and daddy decided to have a baby. But how? What are you asking me? How did the baby get inside? Or how did I give birth? So again, you, you make sure that your children ask you the correct question. And when they say, well, how did I get inside? Don't get into the specific details of penetrate, penetrative sex, right? Penetration. You don't need that. But you say, daddy has a seed and mommy has an egg. And when you connect that, if we're lucky, we get to have a baby. Most likely they won't ask how that happens until they're in their preteens or nine, 10, 11 year old. But when they're three, four, five, six, that's, those are the questions that they're going to have. And then later on, they're going to have a question in, on the lines of, well, then how did I get out? 
Again, that doesn't mean you show them a vivid picture of, you know, the birth canal and how the babies come out. That's going to be too terrifying for them. But telling them, well, you nowadays we're lucky enough to go to the hospital and the doctor decides how we have a baby. There are many ways, but the doctor at the hospital helps mommy to have a baby. That sometimes is enough. Later, they'll ask, well, how does he help? Where there are a few ways to give birth, right? natural and for example through a c-section or something in the middle when you need help well what is a c-section well you know how you cut your finger and you needed to have a little suture yeah well the doctor gave mommy medication to cut her belly to get take you out nothing hurt everything is fine the doctor made sure that mommy was comfortable and you were safe because i had three c three three c-sections so this was my story and they're like oh okay but how did i eat when i was in your belly Again, explaining the connection of the umbilical cord and so on and so on. So for me, all of that is talking about sex. Of course. Right? 100%. And, it and to be middle. honest, it's spread throughout the ears. So when your child is 11, 12, 13, they know exactly what, especially when they have sex education at school, they know exactly what seed and egg. Oh, okay. This is what they meant. And then this is something that you can talk about with your children very, very early. To be honest, my daughter at the age of three, she started crying and she said, then she was crying like really crocodile ears. I'm like, what's wrong, baby? I, I thought you got hurt. She's like, I don't want to be a mommy. And I'm like, okay, why? What happened? Because you never have time to watch Peppa Pig. And I'm like, okay, so I, how do I, what do I do? I don't want to be a mommy. I'm like, sweetheart. You do not need to make that decision right now. When you're 13, 14 and your body starts getting bed, bed, uh, prepared to become a mommy, then later when you're you know, 18, 19, 20, 30, when you decide to have a baby, in the meantime, you can go to the doctor and tell the doctor, I don't want to have a baby. And we will talk about what kind of anti-contraceptive pills or things you can do to not have a baby. You decide to have a baby. This doesn't just happen. But remember, you need to be safe. And so she's like, oh, OK, so it just doesn't happen just because I'm like, no, you need to know that you want to have a baby and you need to be safe and you need to be prepared not to have one if you don't want one. Mm -hmm. And she was three and she's like, oh, OK, whew. Yeah. So again, if I ingrained, if I ingrained that into her when she's three, and then later on, she's like, okay, I've got my period. I don't want to have a baby. Mom, what do I do not to have a baby when I do want to have intercourse when I'm whatever age? Yeah. Well, so I, I was supposed to take a very short time to answer that question. But as you can see, the moment I start, <laughs> I go. It's such, it's such a, it's such a big, I know it's such a big question, um, but I just, it's so important. And I think the biggest key out of the whole, the whole answer is starting young, not shaming it, answering questions, you know, and that's, that's the short answer to what you said, but, you know, finding a way to answer the question without getting too into it, right. Without getting too scary, too into it, but just, but just answering and, and being honest. And I think that it's easy and it's hard because as a parent, you're just like, are they really asking me this right now? But you're right in what you say. What are they really asking you? They're not asking you the whole thing. They're just asking you for a piece of it because they're just wondering in that moment. And then they're asking for a piece. And then later on, they'll ask you about a different piece and like that. But if you don't tell them anything and then all of a sudden you try to tell them something, it's like that, that doesn't work like that. You know, you, you have to It's embarrassing for both you and them at times. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure we all remember, not all of us, but, um, <laughs> you know, that one conversation our parents did try to have with us and we're like, yeah, no, I already know. It was either, yeah, I already know, or, oh no, this is okay. We're good. I don't need to have this conversation, you know? So 
Um, I think raising our kids to be a little bit different, a little bit more self-aware is definitely important, but still, you know, understanding that they're kids, what age are they really and what are they really asking? So thank you for that. Obviously being who you are, you know, just an amazing, obviously mom, entrepreneur, just career woman, um, three, three kids. I mean, you do it all. So what advice could you give your younger self? Um, what would you do differently? What, what kind of would you tell yourself if you could rewind here? I ask myself that question very often and I don't know what is the one thing. So number one, I, like I said, I always envisioned to become a mom. So I wanted to become a mom and I wanted to be a young mom. I wasn't a young mom. I was 28 when I had my first child. So for some, it it, it still doesn't mean that I was a young mom, mom. And on one hand, I'm like, oh my goodness, I was 28. So I was mature enough to have a baby, but I still feel I could have done so much more without the kids because in now having three in tow, it's, so much harder so again if i were to tell myself anything when i was younger i'm like don't sleep like abuse every single moment you have (laughs) to do something (laughs) for yourself because then kind of those minutes are going to be valuable i do believe that the older i get the less time i have and it's not because time is going faster it's because i can i can see the horizons opening in the sense of there's so much i would like to do mm-hmm. and so i try to teach my kids that there's no such thing as being bored so i'm bored i don't know what to do i remember there were a few incidents when this is this happened to me when i was uh, living by myself i'm like oh i'm bored i don't know what to do I might as well just watch when a rerun. I'm like, well, that was a waste of time. Instead of doing that rerun, you could have done something else. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, if I were to give myself advice, use the time that you have for your free, for your freedom when you were younger, because when you're older, when you have a career, when you have three kids, when you have a husband, when you have a garden, when you have 102 things on your to-do list, uh-huh. it's going to be very difficult to just chill out and do nothing. Again, if you do want to chill out, good. But if you want to achieve something else, like, I don't know, climb a mountain, for example, then then just do it. Yeah. And, and nowadays, when I look at every single week, I look back and say, all right, I did well because I used every minute, but not in the sense of being overactive, but in the sense of when I had a min- minute to relax that is the exact minute that i was conscious mindful and grateful for so being grateful for what we have is in my opinion not only for my future self present self and past self that's something i need to and everybody in my opinion needs to work on i I always talk about this like taking advantage of your 20s you know and, and obviously everybody's goals are different but whatever it is just take advantage of your younger life you know because that doesn't come back. I don't have the opportunity to go work as much as I did or save money that I did. But you don't, you don't have those kinds of things as you get older, because you have different things going on. So take advantage of that, whatever that is, you know, whether uh, for me, it was traveling, saving money, working as much as I could. Um, I mean, I feel like I lived the life I really wanted to, which has now helped me really live really the life I've always wanted to. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and so that's that's the key, taking advantage of, of, the, of the younger self, for sure, of those years. So thank you for that. And of course, lastly, this wouldn't be the Boss Babies and Bottles podcast if I didn't ask you what's your favorite drink or bottle. Oh, um, bubbly water, for sure. I, I, I love water with, with sparkling water. I don't drink any other water. And my doctor is always on me like, you need to drink flat water. I'm like, no. oh, I love bubbly water. <laughs> I, I can't. Like, flat water doesn't work. 
So again, I always have a bottle of water that 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 I buy or or take from home and and drink that. So that is one hundred percent the thing that I always have yeah. with me. There we go. And I always have my water. Yeah, I have my water. And if you switch it up, I do sparkling water. That's really or with lemon or something like that. So sparkly water, it that's for me. I don't do normal. Yeah, yeah. My my husband has. I turned him on to sparkling water now too, and that's all he drinks. And I'm like, you really need to drink with normal water too. Um, sparkling yeah, water. Don't, don't take my advice on this one. Drink normal water, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Mama, for joining for sure. Um, this you. is super interesting in terms of all the different topics that we went through, but um, you have a lot of experience. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and ladies, thank you again so much for always joining our Boss Babies and Bottles episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I cannot wait to chat with you guys soon. So make sure if you haven't already, subscribe to our next episode and follow my craziness on Instagram at ebjevents and at canal.twins. I promise you, something's always happening.